Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Calling in from uh, the West Coast, Mr. Joe Buck, the host of uh, Fox Sports, uh, the U.S. Open on Fox Sports. Joe, what's going on out west? Well, I am uh, sitting in front of a beautiful library at the University of Southern California. I just uh, pushed my daughter into a quad where she congregated with her other people in her major and she is registering for fall classes as a freshman. So uh, proud daddy here in Southern California. And uh, about 73% of my brain is actually in the Hamptons on Long Island uh, getting ready for Shinnecock as I sit here, talk to you, and try to help her with uh, her core requirements for her major. So it's I got a lot going on in this small small mind, huge head, and uh, hoping that I can make sense of it all come uh, next Thursday. When you step foot on a college campus, do, do people say things to you, yell things at you? Hopefully it's not still yelling Artie Lang at you, I would hope. No, it's, uh, yeah, that that's kind of died down, although I, I, I kind of miss it, to be honest with you. I miss those days, those glorious days of Artie Lang references. Uh and it, it was funny. This is, I guess, kind of name dropping. But my daughter's roommate is Lori Laughlin from Full House, her daughter. Okay. And uh, the only reason why that came to be is because I'm friends with Lori Laughlin's husband, Moss. Uh, Moss, who owns G4 and just sold to, to Peter Millar. And he's a good buddy of mine. And uh, so that's how that all came to be. And yesterday when we were walking on campus, a mother and a daughter saw Lori Laughlin and I walking together as we were kind of killing time while our daughters were registering. And they almost fell on the ground because of Lori Laughlin. And they had me take the picture of them with Lori <laughs> Laughlin. And the head of housing, the dean of housing came up and he's like, that's so awesome. They have no idea that you do sports for a living. And I said, I, I know it's great. So I, I, I took their picture and they, they went on about their lives and, uh, yeah, it's, it's good walking with Lori. It it felt like I was walking with Troy Aikman because I I could basically walk naked and, uh, nobody even notices me. It's all about Aikman and I I like it that way. There you go. So, uh, what is, and a lot of people are really familiar uh, with you, obviously you've called Super Bowls, you've called World Series, but I wanted to kind of know what your background was, uh, in golf growing up or into your adult life uh, before you started calling golf for Fox in 2015? Well, I mean, you know, I, I don't know that I was any more qualified to call golf uh, four years ago than, than anybody else because all I was was an avid golfer. Um, I, I was a casual uh, golf television viewer. I was one of those guys that as a kid, my dad was obsessed with watching it on a Sunday afternoon and I didn't get it as a little kid because I, I, I didn't, it just was, it bored me. And eventually my dad's like, look, when you get older and you're worn out, there's nothing better than to lay on the couch and watch golf on a Sunday. And, and eventually as I became a young dad, And then, uh, you know, a guy that was doing all these different events, I I couldn't wait to get to my couch and TV and watch golf. But I I love playing uh, and uh, I I feel like I I understand what these guys are trying to do. Uh, They do it at a level I'll never understand, obviously. Uh, But I'm just a golf. uh, I'm a golf player, somebody who is, you know, at times a hack, at times decent and somebody who loves and appreciates the beauty of the game. And I think also appreciates how hard it is. Um, and I think sometimes watching on TV, you know, you don't get the sense that, that everybody remembers just how difficult it is what these guys are trying to do. So, you know, once I jumped in four years ago, it, it was a major undertaking. And I think a lot more than I had any idea about it. It's way faster than any other thing I cover, which is, counterintuitive you think it's it should be slower but it's actually really fast when you're doing it on tv 
And, uh, you know, when we jumped in and Johnny Miller had his comment that you don't just fall out of a tree and do a U.S. Open, on one hand, he's right. On the other hand, there's really no other way to do it. You just have to go jump in and figure your way through it. And uh, now that we're in year four, we've done all these events. I, I feel like we're better at it. I feel like I'm better at it. And I, I, I'm looking forward to it more than I'm worried about it. And that that's a really good feeling for me. Yeah, well, I want to cu- kind of talk about 2015 and get into the steps you guys have made to improve it since then and break that down. But for first, I want to know kind of, Take us there for what it's like to call golf compared to your other sports and what's maybe something like viewers at home don't understand about what it's like uh, to call a golf tournament. It's just, it's crazy. I, I didn't, I didn't know. And maybe that's cause I'm not very smart that when you call a golf event, you know, I could call it out of my basement in St. Louis. There's really no difference. I mean, I, I do love walking the, the driving range. I do love talking to guys, and I've gotten to know guys over the years. And I knew a lot of them before I got into golf, uh, just having played with a few of them and, and you know, been, been somebody that kind of ran in some of those circles. But I didn't realize that the difference is when I go do a Super Bowl, I don't care what event, the World Series, I'm walking in, I've got the best seat in the house, I see everything, and, and whatever comes out of my mind it comes out of my mouth, and it's it's kind of up to me. Now, we've got a producer and a director, and we all work together in baseball and football, and, and if I see a major picture change in front of me while I'm watching the game, my attention goes to what's on the screen, and they follow me or I follow them. But in golf, I sit there in, in a booth, uh, I'm watching no live golf with my eyes, meaning eyes on, on somebody on grass. I'm watching televisions. I'm not even facing the golf course. I'm facing away from the golf course in a stationary position. And so when somebody's making a move on 10, 11, 12, you know, kind of where Kepka went last year at Aaron Hills uh, before I butchered who his girlfriend was, but we can get into that later. Oh, we will. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we will. I, I, I'm not watching it. I'm, I'm only as good as what's provided to me in my ear and what's provided on the TV screen. And that's a really unnerving feeling in my world. I, I, you know, I'm going to get criticized no matter what I do, but I want it to be a criticism of what I come up with instead of if somebody says, Hey, we're going to 12 and here's Spieth for birdie. And it's actually the 13th hole and Spieth's putting for par. If that comes out of my mouth, well, it's my mistake, but I'm, I'm not there to watch it. So it's, it, it's a really foreign feeling. And I'm, I'm, I'm finally through all these different events we've done, whether it's the USAM or the women's uh, open, or it's the senior open. I finally feel like I, I have a good rhythm with the producer and with the guys I work with to, to really actually do a good job with it. And, and that just takes time. That's, that's the way TV and life works. There you have it. So all, all of your mistakes were because somebody just fed you bad information and they were uh, no, <laughs> messing with you. Not no, that, that, that was I, that was what happened though last year though with with the girlfriend thing was like you you are you have somebody in your ear the entire time feeding information all day and you're you're essentially I'm, I would imagine you're reading something off a card or somebody gives you that info as the the girlfriend shows up on screen and you end up yeah, she kept popping up. I had no idea. You know, I barely know uh brooks now now i've gotten to know him really well uh after the fact we've we've laughed about it a hundred times and i've had him at different events that i've done baseball and football but at the time you know she kept popping up on the screen and so i got a card from a guy in the back he actually doesn't even work at fox he's he's we we used him for the week uh, he's at another network uh, that covers a lot of golf and he handed me the card and i read it and it was you know, old information by a week or whatever it was. And, and I had to wear it, but, but as I've said on other shows since then, you know, that guy handed me 5,000 things that made me look way smarter and way more in tune with the golf world than I, than I am, or that I even can be. Right. And so if I'm going to, you know, come off like the smart guy by reading his cards, you know, if, if one's wrong, then one's wrong. And that's, you know, it's weird. We kind of live in a society where you can't laugh at that stuff or, or at least, you know, I tried to laugh it off. And, and what was so bad was it was kind of the last taste in everybody's mouth or at least us as a network 
going off the air. And, and I will tell you, if, if you were talking to my daughter or my wife who were in the car with me on the way home after on the way to the airport after that event, I think they were worried about me. I, I've never gone into a funk like that in my life. I, I, I just I thought I was having a breakdown because I, I thought, man, we just worked our asses off for four straight days for however many hours a day and a stupid card with the wrong girlfriend who, who we had just started dating a week prior or whatever that that's going to be what anybody talks about and it just it, it was such an awful feeling I felt like I let everybody down I felt like you know it, it was it was a it was a gaff and you know whatever that means and you don't want to be in that category but you know that that's the kind of stuff you have to deal with and it's my mistake if it comes out of my mouth it's my mistake and uh i make plenty on my own and and so i, I don't blame anybody if 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 i'm gonna say it i should know it and if i don't know it then you know it, it's it's up to somebody else to provide the information and and if it's wrong then then it comes back on me so i i don't blame him i've never said his name I never will. Um, and, and again, the guy made me look smarter than I was all week. Yeah, no, that's kind of what, you know, just in doing a podcast seeing, and it's, it's easy. We have an editing process. Like you can take stuff out. You can make, you know, if there's a mistake made, you can edit that out or whatnot. But to be on alive on the air for eight hours a day or whatever it was, and to really crush it all week like you guys did, I thought you guys had a great week. Uh, and just to have that happen just had to be so so deflating. But I mean, I still think. Well, you walk in, you walk into the compound. It's the you know the TV, the truck compound, and afterward, it's like nobody really wants to say anything to you, and you you just want to hide. And I've I've done a lot of stuff in my life, and and uh, some of it good, some of it bad, and and most of it in between. And I've never walked into the truck compound like I wanted to dig a hole in the gravel and just lay down. And and that was one of those where it was like, Jesus, guys, I'm so sorry that that I got it wrong. And then a lot of some people on our crew. Uh, in front of and behind the camera were like, well, facts really sold you out. Cause he, he, he said, you know, well, that's not, that's not his current girlfriend. His current girlfriend is whatever the hell her name is. I don't know. I didn't know then. And I don't know now. And, and I said, no, that that's exactly what Brad should have done. And if you go off the air and you get the name right, whether I made a mistake or not, if, as long as you don't go off the air and you're saying the wrong girl's name or you know something maybe more important than that the wrong golfer's name or the wrong score or the wrong whatever if you get it right before you go off the air so what you, you can it's someday you can laugh at it and, and finally I'm, I'm at the point where I can kind of laugh at it well I want to kind of go back to when you first started getting into to calling golf and with Fox you know doing the deal with the broadcast deal with the USGA were you involved? I get, when did you start becoming involved in that process? Were you involved in any of the proposals, or once they had the rights, did they come to you and say, "Is this something that you're interested in doing?" I feel like when I found out uh, for the first time that they were even talking to the USGA, and it was even uh, a possibility, we were at a football seminar, and somebody came up to me. One of the one of the bosses came up to me and said, "Hey, uh, I think we're going to have a big big." uh unveiling later today and we were finally able to keep something quiet and and i i remember having no idea what the guy was talking about and then it came out later in the day that fox had signed this deal with the usga and, and i i was not a part of it at all and uh my boss eric shanks came up and said you know that's something we would want you to call if you feel like you're comfortable with it and part of me thought no and and the other part of me thought it's a, it's a great challenge. And if somebody's going to do it around here, I want to be the guy to do it. And then it, it became, you know, how do I do it? And thank God Mike Tarico reached out, was willing to help me, uh, who I, I think is fantastic being a, a golf host. And, and he was above, he went above and beyond, gave me his notes from the U S open the year prior. Um, and, and was there to kind of guide me through the mechanics of it. And, uh, you know, eventually, like I've said, you got to do it to figure out what you need to know, what you don't need to know. And uh, eventually, you know, you, you kind of settle into a rhythm. But it, it was I was new to golf and just about everybody we had on the air was was new to TV for the most part uh, in those roles. And it, it was a high wire act. I'm, I'm, I look back and I couldn't be more proud that we got on and off the air. We had the right winner 
and uh, we live to fight another day. And it was a major undertaking. And, and, you know, I think we've gotten a lot simpler since then. And, and I think that's been the best thing that, that we could have done uh, is, is kind of simplify the process because we don't do a lot of golf. I, I think simpler is better. And, uh, and I think we're finally there with that. So that, that like Monday after that week, and I, people were very critical of the broadcast overall, uh, myself included. And what was the reaction of the, of the team like Monday after that week had finished, knowing that you had this ridiculous challenge ahead of you going into it, but receiving the criticism that you guys got in 2015, what was the atmosphere like shortly after that? Well, I, I feel like, and, and I don't know the exact uh, way it was laid out, but I feel like we kind of picked right up and we went to another event. I, I, I don't know if it was the Women's Open or the Senior, whatever it was. I'm guessing Women's. And it was like, okay, well, that we got that under our belt. Now, now let's try it again. Uh, you know, the criticism, I think, is, is something that uh, you have to expect. You know, when, when people, first of all, when people don't, really i don't know that anybody really cares that much in, in the real world but for the golf fan that's used to turning on nbc and seeing the u.s open well now they're turning to fox and now you've got the you know the foxification of of golf and that had everybody worried and then you know you were chambers bay and it becomes you know one of these u.s opens that that's got as much chatter about the golf course and the condition of the greens and now we're covering it and and it it just was kind of the perfect storm uh that i think everything else after that kind of felt easy not 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 easy but easier and so the the criticism i think in this world is you know everybody kind of sits back and takes shots but until you've been in there and done it uh you know, you don't know all that was going on behind the scenes. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of that U.S. Open as much as anything I've ever done because it was such a major undertaking. We had more trucks than any Super Bowl I've ever covered. And, you know, we were trying to do a million things. And a lot of the things that we did that, that week have since been picked up by other networks. And, and I think, you know, in a small way, improved other networks' coverage. Uh, but, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to get criticized, but that that's why you make the money you make and, and you, you get to be Mr. Big Shot and walk around and act like you're, you're Mr. Sports. You have to be willing to take the criticism, take in the, the, the constructive parts of it and, and listen to it and try to get better because of it. And, and if, if nobody cared, that would be awful. And people do care. And that makes you work harder and get better. And, and I think we've done both of those things. Yeah, though, I think uh, there was no other way to root for that first year to happen other than for it to go poorly. Like you said, just all the all the elements that were going into it, it was a perfect storm. And it was it was just going to there were going to be growing pains no matter what. I think we all expected that. What I liked the most is I think you guys went from being not that that first year not going well to being, I think, a leader in the industry because you dusted yourselves off and you improved on so many things from 2016. But I kind of wanted to discuss with you, I, I continue to be amazed with people's just disdain for your announcing. And I, I, I want to know how you're able to kind of take criticism that doesn't seem founded in anything other than like a blind hate for you versus criticism that is very pointed and things that you're actually like, oh, you know what? I actually can build off this. I can respond to something like this. Is there, is it clear to you kind of where that line is? Yeah. I, I, if I let that kind of stuff, like, like more of the unfounded stuff or the, you hate my team or this guy sucks because his dad was a broadcaster. Now he's doing it. I've been doing this for a long time now. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've, I think delivered for the network so much so that they continue to sign me. I don't think they can, they're continuing to do my dad favors, uh, who by the way, never worked at Fox. Uh, but I, I think a lot of it is founded in being the national broadcaster, being considered kind of still the young guy, although I'm not anymore. Uh, you know, I started doing the world series when I was 27. And when you do baseball, for as long as I've done it, and you do it from a national perspective instead of from a team side, eventually you're going to piss everybody off. Eventually, every fan base that watches baseball 
uh, or football for that matter, when you're getting excited for both sides and, and you're screaming and yelling for the Packers just like you are for the Cowboys, or you're screaming and yelling for the San Francisco Giants just like you are for the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, every fan base eventually thinks, well, why is he yelling for that other team? He doesn't like my team. He sucks. Um, beyond that, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that other than to say I work hard. Um, I feel like I try to get out of the way of the event. Um, I, I feel like I, and then some people take that as ambivalence and I, and I, I take it or I at least do it because I have such reverence for what I, what I'm covering. I, I don't want to scream and yell over the top of all of it. Nobody's tuning in to listen to me broadcast or tuning in to watch the game. And, and so I, I try to do my best to accent the, the high points and, and get out of the way and, and let you watch the game. And so whatever the online criticism is or whatever that might be to my face, people couldn't be nicer or more complimentary. For the people I work with or work for, they know what I do. They know what I handle. They know the job that, that I try to turn in every week. And, uh, you know, the fact that I've been employed at one network and have done the major sports there for as long as I have uh, is, is kind of my antidote to any any being upset about somebody online criticizing me. I, it, it just doesn't – some of that stuff just can't enter into my head. All right, guys, it is U.S. Open Week, of course, which means Father's Day is coming up this Sunday. And if you haven't gotten the dad or husband in your life a gift yet, look no further than the OGO Summit Laptop Backpack. Uh, it's complete with a dedicated padded laptop compartment, and it has spacious front comp- a spacious front compartment with two accessory pockets inside. And then my favorite part uh, on my Summit Laptop bag that I have is the Tech Vault. Uh, It's perfect for your sunglasses. You can just throw your sunglasses right in there, and it's got a hard outer case, and it doesn't break them in your bag. So uh, not only will you be organized with this bag, you're also going to look good doing it. And uh, I, of course, trust OGO for all my bag needs, and I know your dad will as well. So celebrate Father's Day by getting your dad, husband, or even get one for yourself, uh, the Summit Laptop Backpack. And special for the listeners of the No Laying Up podcast, use promo code NOLAYINGUP for 40% off the Summit Backpack on OGO dot com through june 20th that's a that's a that's pretty that's a pretty great deal 40 percent off ogo the world's best bags now let's get back to joe buck yeah it seems it seems like and i don't know if there was ever a moment for you where you kind of it kind of triggered for you where you kind of steer into the skid and kind of em- embrace the haters in some way did, did did that was that a conscious thing for you to kind of feel finally be like look i can't i can't worry about any of this stuff anymore or were you always like that god no i was not always like that and, and I went from a, a young guy that was trying to not get exposed for being as young as I was, whether I was broadcasting for the Cardinals at 21 or I was doing World Series at 27 and, and trying to kind of, I don't know, guard against my insecurities. And, and you know, I guess in, in some ways steer into that. At some point, you got to just stop worrying about it and go do it. And, and in this day and age, it's harder now than it's ever been. Um, not for me, just in general, uh, you know, with with kind of the online social media world, you have to be you have to be tough. But there was a, there was a year there in 2011 when I had a paralyzed vocal cord. And, and it was the reason why I wrote a book and I went through a divorce and I had a, a, a I, I thought my career was over. And you know, doctors were telling me that if my voice wasn't back in three months, that this was what I was going to be left with. And I, I sounded like I was dying. And you know, three months turned into four, turned into five, turned into nine. And I thought, well, this is it. You know, I'm done. And then that year in October, my voice kind of started to come back. And, uh, you know, it, ridiculously, I won an Emmy in, in easily the worst year that not only I've had, but any broadcasters ever had because of one moment, a home run hit in a game six of a World Series. But after that, I thought, you know, I, I've taken for granted for so long what I get to do. And, and I I went from worrying about what I was going to say to worrying about how I was going to say it, because I, I I couldn't really yell and emote and get loud. And I I couldn't have fun and I couldn't joke because you couldn't hear me. And, and when you, you, I went into a depression and when I came out of that, I thought, screw it. You know, I'm, I'm employed. I'm happy. I'm, you know, now I'm remarried. I've got twins. I've got two girls that uh, that love me and I adore them. And 
so what? You know, if somebody doesn't like me or somebody thinks I'm rooting against their team or somebody, what? you know, it's all noise. And, and I, I know what I do and I know how hard I work and I know how hard I try. And if I continue to do that, you know, I, I will have been at Fox for 30 years here at some point. And, uh, and that's a long run for anyone. And, and I must be doing something right or I, I wouldn't still be there. Yeah, no, you kind of touched on it and how, uh, you know, you faced some of these these challenges in, in other sports for years, but then transitioning to golf, you're kind of going into a, a whole new audience and a very particular audience that is used to hearing certain voices for many, many years. And when they hear yours, that's just a natural reaction to kind of push back against it. But so after 2015, what were some of the things that you guys knew you needed to improve before the 2016 U.S. Open? And what were kind of the action items to improve those things? Well, we needed to see each other. You know, I, I when we did 2015, our, our producer, who's awesome, Mark Loomis, and, and who did it at, at ABC and, and, you know, had Faldo and Azinger and Tarico, which is as good as it gets, uh, it was kind of set up where I was in the booth with Greg. We had on-course reporters who were really kind of new to, to television and doing that, and that's a real skill that, that is tough to do to put in a little window information that's valuable to somebody's shot that's upcoming. And then we had uh, Brad Faxon in the 17th tower and we had Steve flesh in the 16th tower. We, nobody could see each other. And, and when you're trying for timing and you're trying to all work together as, as one solid unit, if you can't make eye contact, it, it's really difficult. Now, if you do it every week, that's a different thing. But when you drop out of the tree, like Johnny Miller said, you need to, you need to be able to look at you, at each other and read somebody's body language or be able to reach across and tap them on the arm and say, I have something here. And, and so we, we eliminated that and we went to kind of more of a simplified booth setup. And, and this year will be more simplified than ever. Um, and I think that's the reason why we don't do enough golf to have everybody spread out and, and, you know, find the right time to talk without talking all over each other. It also can lead to the ability to not talk. You know, I, I think at some point here, I've done enough golf now where no matter what the critics say, rightly or wrongly, I feel like I have a, a better sense of, of what I'm supposed to do and where I'm supposed to step and if I'm just this year, I'm sitting there just with Paul Azinger and Shane Bacon, who I know you know well, is sitting with Brad Faxon in another booth. We have our specific holes. It can lead to not over talking. It can lead there. There's nothing better in golf, especially with Shinnecock coming up, where you can have that low shot and the green sitting up in the air. It, it's such a it's such an incredible looking golf course and intimidating. And if it's Tiger or Phil or Rory or Jordan or whoever walking into the ball in silence with that kind of hum of the blimp up, up above and a, a big crowd that's quiet. And there's nothing better than that in golf. And, and I think when you get to the point where you don't feel like you have to prove everything, you know, every time you open your mouth, it can be a lot more uh, enjoyable to watch. And I think, I think that's kind of where we are uh, on the, you know, leading into this U.S. Open. Uh, you're, spe- you're speaking to my soul right now. The less, the less ego involved in the broadcast, the better for, for any sport. But can you... Th- it's TV. I mean, it's, it's redundant. When I'm doing baseball and, and I'm at Yankee Stadium and ground ball to, you know, whoever, Glaber Torres, you can see that. You don't need me to say, there's a ground ball to Glaber Torres. All I have to say is, Torres picks it up, two out. And you, that's all you have to do. And, and in golf, because I think we've tried so hard and we've, we've heard the criticism. And, you know, I personally, nobody takes criticism to heart more than me. I'm a pleaser. I go to a therapist because of that. And I, I want everybody to love me. And not everybody loves me. And that's hard for me to, to swallow. But now you go into this and you're like, well, I'll show them. You know, I, I know the last 10 years of, of Phil Mickelson's life. And I can tell you every event he's played in and where he finished and all that. None of that matters. You, you have to be able, you have to be disciplined enough to shut up and, and just enjoy today's event. And if you can do that, especially in golf, then I think you have a chance to have a special broadcast. And if you can't, 
then you need to go home and, and take all your research and burn it and then come back and just watch golf. And, and, and that's really how you have to go into these things. Can you talk a bit about the overall philosophy with Fox when it comes to covering live golf? I can tell you as a viewer how I kind of how I view it or how I consume it and what I think your guys' approach is. But like if you were to kind of lay out the blueprint for how you guys are covering a golf tournament and what the main points of emphasis are, what are the what are the top things that you would say that you guys want to emphasize the most? Well, I mean, here here's how we went into 2015, and, and I think people took it maybe the wrong way, like these, or, or maybe this is just insecurity too. Like these guys don't know what the hell they're doing because I I said to the group, we've got microphones in the cups, and that and and people thought initially, well, that's stupid. All you're going to hear is the ball gurgling down into the cup. But what the microphones provided was an opportunity to listen to Jordan Spieth yelling at himself. You, it provided the opportunity to listen to Jordan talking to Michael Greller. It, it provided the opportunity to uh, hear subtle conversation that we all have on greens with our buddies now in an intense setting that you've never heard at a U.S. Open. So that was the byproduct. They wanted to put mics in the cups because they thought it would be cool to hear the ball actually go in. And, and that's really the, the last use of it. Now, now it's, it's a way to hear conversations you've never heard in a U.S. Open before. And that, to me, is gold. I mean, Fox is, I feel like we've always kind of been known for good audio. In golf, that should be our calling card. Our philosophy is if you hear any conversation, shut up. I don't care if you're in mid-sentence. If you've got two, two words left in the sentence, finish it, but be quiet. There's nothing more important than listening to Phil talk to his caddy, Tiger talk to his caddy, the stuff I just said with Jordan. So I, 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 our philosophy is let's be confident enough to do the less is more thing and really do that. Let's, let's let this thing breathe and, and use our audio. Um, yeah, we want to do some bells and whistles, and I think we always want to push it forward, and that's also the Fox way. But at the end of it, you know, let everybody be comfortable listening to this event and having audio they've never had on their TV at home. That's got to be our, our overriding message. And, and we tried to do it in 2015. Um, I don't know if it was taken the right way. I think as we do it now in 2018, we've got a shot at, at having something really cool. No, that's 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 really interesting. Kind of the uh, the audio. I remember when that was being implemented in 2015. It was a it was a big deal, and now I feel like it's just you guys kind of seamlessly do it to the point where I don't even necessarily notice it, which is which is I think a great thing. But uh, one thing, uh, graphically and visually, you guys do I think the best job of showing. The more more top tracer than anybody else, as well as kind of the graphics that show where the target is, how far away it is, and it just adds such an element to that top tracer. But and again, maybe this more is more in the production truck than it is you in the booth. But it seems there's such an emphasis on showing a ton of golf shots, live golf shots, and and that you know showing a lot of different players and quick cuts from player to player instead of you know necessarily pounding on narratives or anything like that so is that something that you guys are very conscious of like from a point of emphasis yes. of live golf yeah it's funny you know I, I you could do a seminar on this now you're you're in the golf business and so that's something that you would understand i think the average sports fan has no idea because i didn't how all that worked and so i i the way i see it and, and from what I read and what I've heard, you know, NBC is known for showing more live golf shots. It's live, 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 live. CBS is more about the narrative. And if somebody hit a shot on the 11th hole at Augusta half an hour ago, now it looks live to, to the average viewing fan. And, and I think you have to be able to split, split the difference. Um, I, I think those two entities obviously – are fantastic at calling golf. And if, if I'm guilty of anything, it's, it's me trying to <clears throat> me trying to be Jim Nance jr. Me trying to be Dan Hicks jr. Me trying to do what these other guys do. And I, and I think at some point you have to be yourself. Um, but with regard to the live, 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 I, I do think you also have to tell a story. And, and when you're doing a national championship like this, building the uh building the narrative and 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 trying to create 
uh, some drama, I, I think can be a good thing. Maybe not for the hardcore golf fan that wants to see as much live as they can. I get that. And I think our producer is dead set. Mark Loomis is so good at doing as much of that as he can. But you also have to tell the story. And, and I think that's where I've failed. I think in, in the past, I haven't been good. I've been so worried about the mechanics. I've been so worried about the research and so worried about that I'm, I'm not taking a step back and talking about what this shot could mean or what this moment could mean, whether it's Brooks Kepka or Dustin Johnson or whatever it may be. I, in all the years I've covered sports, I couldn't be more pleased with how we covered the Dustin Johnson maybe penalty shot, maybe not penalty shot at Oakmont. I thought we were honest. I thought we did the best job we could in a really weird circumstance. But uh, other than that, you know, I, I think you have to be willing, and I could be wrong, uh, of, of splitting to split that difference between live, 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 and how can we best tell the story so that, that the average golf fan or even the average sports fan is interested come Sunday late. Yeah, I think with golf, obviously with so much going on at a lot of different locations, it's not it's impossible to show every shot live. And I think the viewer understands that as long as the network is willing to kind of cut quickly. And, and you don't even necessarily need to say this is a moment ago unless it was truly like three or four minutes ago. But, you know, you get it's 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 impossible to sh- if Jordan Spieth and Roy McIlroy on two opposite sides of the course and hitting shots at the same time, you just you can't show them at the same time. But you can be quickly in and out of them, not showing a pre-shot routine, not sticking around to show a reaction that doesn't really mean much. And if you're cutting from shot to shot and I feel like true, I, I agree with that to a certain extent. I agree with that on Thursday and Friday. Sure, but, exactly. But but to me, the pre-shot routine, that moment I talked about earlier of walking into a shot, having silence, having that moment of like deep breath, exhale, pull the club back and go, or a reaction after the shot. Sometimes the reactions, the live reactions after a shot, are are priceless, and and it tells the story as much as the shot. Totally, you know, the frustration or the elation or the whatever it is. So by the time you get to Saturday and definitely Sunday, I, I personally, and we can disagree, I, I, I think you have to hang on or get, get a little more meat on the bone because it, it does add to the drama instead of just pop, 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 shot, 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 shot. And then, you know, where's the, what, what's the story here? What, who's, who's hot, who's not? And you, sometimes you can tell. How a guy's playing just by looking at him walk, mm-hmm. and and I think there's value in that. Oh, without a doubt. And as you get down to Sunday afternoon, and there's less golfers on the course, and there's less players relevant to the story, I think that's in, that's beyond important to kind of emphasize those points and whatnot. But you know, if there's action in the drama happening, like for instance this year at the Masters, where Spieth is you know going at 13 and two, and they're in commercial break and they come back for three minutes and don't show it. I think you're kind of doing the viewer a disservice in that regard, but that's a different conversation. Well, I, I don't think we're, I don't think we're, yeah, I guess I, and, and I don't, you're, you know, I, I don't know that we're even saying something where we disagree. I, I, I no. just think we're never trying to, and I'm not saying others are, I, I don't know how anybody else's truck works. I don't even know how our truck works, <laughs> but, but I, we're never trying to fool anyone. Right. You know, if, if, if something, is a moment ago you know it's it's kind of funny that that you think of of jim nance you know part of of what he says you know a moment ago you know it's it's there there that that's always there and it's like i can't even come up with anything different i mean earlier or uh a little while ago or you know back when we were in commercial i don't know what it is but we all kind of say it and we're all being honest on on when something happened and I feel like sometimes, you know, we play to the critics a little too much, too. I, I think, you know, I, I, I do think there's the ability. You have to have the ability. You, this is a TV event. And uh, you, for us, you we were trying to get ratings and trying to get people talking about it. That you have to have a little bit more of the meat on the bone, but but I, I get it from both yeah. sides. Uh, I think we're in definitely in more agreement there we, than we are disagreement. But uh, we had uh, we had Zinger on in the last month, and he told me something I found really interesting when he was talking about his original ESPN days and his camaraderie with Faldo and how people seem to like it right off the bat. And something Jim Nance told him was like, "You're good to go now. Like once they, they like you, they've written about you and they've said good things, and once they do that, they never want to be wrong. They're not going to change." 
their opinion on it. Obviously, with the criticism that came from 2015, did you feel like that people have been kind of responsive and 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 showing praise for your guys' improvements, or do you guys still feel like people aren't quite fully noticing what you guys are capable of doing when it comes to covering golf? Yeah, I think there's some of that, but I, I, I think there's some of the, you know, well, I don't think they're really giving us credit for what we're doing, but again, I mean, I, I don't know who you're, I, I think you're always going to be dissatisfied if you're just constantly looking for praise and especially in this world. And we're always going to be kind of the Johnny come lately group that, you know, dips in and does a major championship as opposed to the people that, that are watching every week. I mean, as you said earlier, it's a very niche audience and a very kind of exclusionary, you know, how dare you try to cover golf? Uh, you bastards at Fox. We, we want it with the, the typical people that do it. And, and to some people, we'll never be good enough. Right. Uh, I, I would suggest that maybe most people watching on TV really don't care who, who's doing it. Uh, I could be wrong, but but golf just feels different than than the other sports. And, and that's good for me personally, because it's made me work really hard to, to try to learn as much as I can. Uh, do more work than I've ever done. And, uh, you know, to when, when you do enough work and you can kind of chuck it when you get there on Thursday and just watch the golf, that's a really good feeling. And and, and I feel like I'm kind of getting there. Uh, and, and, and hopefully that, that's the case. But, but as you said earlier, there, there are some people out there, it doesn't matter if I lay down in a puddle at Shinnecock and let people walk on my back to not get their shoes dirty. They're going to say, "Well, why do you do it face down? You should have done it face up." And uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter what I do. So, if you're looking for praise from people that aren't really going to give it, it's kind of beating your head against the wall. It, it's, it doesn't really serve a purpose. Yeah. Did uh, adding golf to your schedule completely mess up kind of the schedule of your personal life? Was other work kind of taken off your off your back in, in that regard or kind of how much has this thrown a loop into your your you know your work life balance I guess it's taken me out of a lot of baseball which is uh which is you know I, I guess I've done it long enough I've done it since I was 19 at AAA and I'm 49 now so I've done it for 30 years I can kind of pick up and do it the hard thing is just trying to stay relevant and up to date when you don't do a ton of baseball but I, I love being I love being around the golf. I, I love walking to work and going by a driving range or taking a golf cart out and being at a place like Shinnecock or Oakmont or uh, anywhere that, that we have on this incredible tour. You know, we're we're going to go to Pebble Beach for God's sake at the end of the year for the U.S. Amateur. I I mean, I really we're I get to work and go to Tower at at Pebble Beach. I that. You know, to me, that that is is on par with anything I've ever done in my life. And to get paid to go sit there and follow golf uh, is is a thrill. So it's yeah, it's 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 taken a lot of my actual golf playing away. Uh, And now we my wife and I, we just had twins five weeks ago. So my golf game, my handicap has never been lower and my game has never been worse. So that's a bad combination. That's a combination to lose a lot of money on the golf course when you do play. What is your game like? What is your handicap and, and what's your game like? I think it's gently resting at a 1.5 and, uh, and that's up from a year ago. I, I just don't play enough to turn in enough bad scores to get my handicap back up to where it probably should be. So uh, I'm obsessed with the game. I, I can't get enough. My wife laughs at me because anywhere we're going and we're walking, you know, I'm look, I'm pantomiming my backswing or I'm looking at where my hands are. And I've had more golf lessons than uh, Ricky Fowler at this point in my life. And and I I, I just I, I can't get enough. And I dream about it. My own golf game. Uh, it, it presents everything that I love in life. And, and it's my one getaway, you know, being with my friends at the end of the day, having a beer, playing golf, they're just nothing like that. 
and uh, and and so I'm I'm kind of nuts about the game, and uh, I just don't get to play it enough now. How many strokes do you take off Bacon when you guys play? You ask Bacon. I I tend to play well around old Shane. Uh, I've I've had some uh, I've had some good rounds in front of Shane Bacon's eyes, and uh, I, I'm I'm pleased about that. I've actually played good with all these guys, uh, so at least I have some credibility with facts who is you know the best putter i've ever seen and makes makes stuff around the green look so easy or azinger you know knows that i can play a little bit uh at least for for that in the hack world and uh so that's good you know and you could be new to the game on tv but at least they know that that i care enough to be to try to be good at the game as a player and and that's uh that's a good thing what's the best golf experience you've ever had well uh, I've had a couple funny ones. I, I, I think getting on at Pebble on 18 in, I think it was 04, possibly. I don't know what year it was, but they followed. I was playing with Jay Delsing, and they followed me for some reason at the end of, of my round uh, on Thursday. It was on USA Network, and I got on 18-2 and two at Pebble on TV, which and made birdie with you know almost almost gagged and and made par after getting on in two uh, but but that at least physically is the greatest feat i've ever accomplished in my life uh and then playing at augusta with aikman and his buddy and we played not long before the masters this is about i don't know 7 or 8 years ago and we were playing from the from the actual pro tees and i don't know i think it was 3 over at nine and it started to rain and and our host who shall remain nameless said well i've had about enough of this rain let's get some soup and that was the end of the day and i didn't get to go to amen corner uh playing maybe the best round of golf of my life so it was kind of the antithesis of caddyshack and and the bishop getting struck by lightning (laughs) all right just a few more we'll let you get out of here we're taking up a lot of your time but uh i wanted to kind of know about preparing as well for the lesser known events not just the men's u.s open is it do you find those easier because there's maybe less people watching them but the names are less familiar or what is kind of how do you how do you prepare for those kind of events I don't ever fall in the trap of worrying about who, how many people are watching because if one person's watching and I don't know who somebody is or I screw something up, uh, which which I've done a million times, I, it's it's as bad, maybe even worse, uh, because it you feel lazy. So uh, doing the reading, talking to people on the range, you know, sitting with somebody like Julie Inkster and peppering her with questions before we do a women's open, or you know, once you do the amateur. That's kind of as close to grip it and rip it as you, as you can go because you just have no idea who's going to be there on the weekend. It's match play. You've got all day to look up anything you want about these kids, and and that's that that to me is about as pure as we can have it. Or when we covered the four ball, hmm. you know, people say, "What's the most favorite events that you cover?" Obviously, the U.S. Open. There's nothing like it, but. To me, the amateur is is right there with it because it's just good, fun match play golf, which I love. And then the four ball uh, was unbelievable because it's like it's like televising what you see at, at at a golf course any Saturday or Sunday, and and it's just good golf, and you're kind of following it shot by shot, and you're not really hopping around to a million different shots and a million different players on eighteen different holes. Uh, it, it it just it kind of it kind of takes the pressure off that way. What are some of your other personal interests outside of golf or outside of sports? Well, I mean, I, I love to read. I don't read as much as I would like to. Um, I, I find myself by the end of the day now with as a 49-year-old with twins, and then one daughter just got out of college, one daughter is just going into college, uh, and then with what I have to read for work, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is cracking, what I have to read for work, there's not a lot of time to to you know, kind of recreationally read, but, but learning about history, reading, I'm reading a great book about Truman called the accidental president. Uh, it's just diving into kind of the world that my dad lived in and seeing the inner workings of how government was back then, how foreign relations were, were really handled back then and all that landed on Truman's desk. I mean, when you think about covering golf or baseball or, critics online or whatever it may be and and you've got a guy like truman who just kind of found himself as president in one of the most pivotal times in in u.s history 
uh, you realize your your problems, your worries, and and what you're really deciding between is is rather insignificant. Interesting. Uh, all right, last one. What can we expect from the Fox team in 2018 this uh, this coming week at Shinnecock that we maybe haven't seen before? Well, you've never seen in everybody's bio when uh, their name comes up graphically, it will have their wife's name or their girlfriend's <laughs> name that week pop up with the actual tour player's name. Is that uh, a request by you? Beyond that. That's a request by me. I just want to read it. I don't want to have to find it out. I don't care. Uh, if you could see my text chain with Brooks Kepka after that, uh, it would be really a funny thing to uh, to behold. Uh, but we'll leave that alone. So I, I think the main thing is that it's going to be simplified even more. Like I said earlier, it's it's Azinger and me in 18. It's your boy Bacon and Faxon in the uh, studio tower. They've got eight holes we've got 10 and it's kind of you know on the course i, I think we're going to use the hell out of curtis strange and steve flesh uh and uh ken brown and, and whoever else is down there they're going to have a bigger voice and and i think shane and i as the hosts are going to set up the shot and get out of the way and and I th- that's kind of the way we're going into this. We're going to pare it down, simplify, give you great visuals, great shots, great history from a club that dates back to the late 1800s, and and let you enjoy it. And and that's how I would want to watch it if I were sitting on my couch, or better yet, laying on my couch. And and that's how we really want to present it. That's been my that's been my desire since day one. But I think that we're finally kind of rounding into that uh, maybe because the host uh, the person you're talking to right now is, is starting to figure out how to actually do golf well I can speak uh, for all of us here we're, we're excited for this coming week and uh, we wish you guys the best of luck so thanks uh, we'll let you get back to orientation took up a lot of your time but uh, thanks for spending it with us and uh, looking forward to see what you guys have in store this coming week all right yeah me too I can't wait to see uh, can't wait to see what bells and whistles we bring and Hopefully we're celebrating, you know, some incredible story uh, come the end of Sunday. Looking forward to it. Thanks for the time, Joe. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. 